can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Tuesdays with Tim and Kelly, brought to you by the Talking Pools Podcast Network. The Talking Pools Podcast family are here to help you, the pool professional, be successful and profitable in your business. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about underwater pool lights. Kelly, what do you got for us? Well, we got a bunch of stuff for lighting today. I wanted to kind of start with just like a little background on lighting. Pool lights, underwater pool lights go as early as 1907. So I guess pool lights have been going on for over 100 years. In 1968 was the year the National Electrical Code finally decided to include swimming pool lights in their standards and regulations. The way it used to be is you would find the junction box for pool lights underneath the diving board. This could be a round metal plate in the in the deck, or later on it was a conduit with the junction box under the diving board. Have you seen a lot of those, Tim? I've worked on a lot of those. We were um, my parents were Fox pool dealers in Indiana, so the conduit was always under the board. Um, sometimes we'd see it back against the fence. I, I didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was as long as it was above water because we had a lot of them that were flush deck mounted. I'd see on a few commercial pools and they'd be flooded with water. You know, you wonder why the pool doesn't doesn't work or the pool light doesn't work. So a lot of builders would do some crazy things. But yeah, I've seen a lot of them under the boards. Yeah. And it gets expensive when you have to bring those up to code later on. So much so that I've had customers just be like, I don't need a pool light. I'll get the floating ones that you can buy on Amazon. I had a great one. Older pool, definitely. It did have the metal circle at one point in the deck. And what a homeowner did before the current owner was there is they wired the wires of the light to a GFCI plug. And I'm not meaning like the GFCI plug that we have at the equipment. I mean, literally they cut it off an extension cord and wired it up and it just hanged there underneath the diving board so they could plug it in whenever they wanted to use it. Oh Lord. (laughs) Oh yeah. I was like, do not, do not use that. I was like, cut it off, tape it off. Do not use that. That is so illegal. But whatever previous homeowner was there thought, oh, I got it safe because it's connected to a GSCI, you know. And some other things I found out. Well, at that, we should probably also mention, you know, now with those lights, we have when you do come across them, you do have to bring them up to code, which would be, you know, no longer under the diving board has to. Uh, go out. I can't remember how many feet, but I do know it has to be the junction box has to be brought up twelve inches above grade. Uh, now, how was? Do you know what the distance is from the pool to where the new junction box has to be? Up north, it used to be six feet, but I think it's longer than that now. Okay, 
Well, make sure you look it up before you fix those lights. Now, another thing I thought was interesting is, did you know that incandescent bulbs only last for about a thousand hours before they need to be replaced? I didn't know that. And most I would figure would last a lot less than that. They say LED lights can last up to 25 years. I guess it's just dependent on a lot of things. Now, another thing people need to know about the incandescent bulbs is it must be submerged when you turn it on. So make sure that if you replace a high voltage light fixture with a high voltage light fixture that if you wanted to test it out and there's no water in the pool, literally only like one or two seconds. Otherwise, it can get too hot and burn out. That is why if you look at a pool light with an incandescent bulb, you see the metal ring and you sometimes will see a little bit of little gap between the pool wall and that metal ring. And that's for water to be able to get back into the niche to cool the light down. Otherwise it gets too hot. These different areas where people are working. I mean, like I, I've worked on a lot of uh, up North in Indiana. It was two types of lights. You'd see the old style American products light 400 watt bulb, or you'd see the old, the uh, Pentair Aqualumen lights down here in Texas, working in Texas. It's uh like Hayward LED or PAL lights, I don't see much else. So there's just a huge difference on preference on what people are using. Yeah. So where I live, when it comes to the old, well, when it comes to high voltage lighting, which we'll explain in a little bit, um, which is pretty much the incandescent lights, I see a lot of the uh, old American products. I've even seen, oh God, what is it? Purex lights. Those ones are not my favorite. I hate changing those out. They're a pain in the ass. You know, I had one, whoever built this pool is an idiot. The light was in the shallow end, right up against where the curve of the pool goes to go from the wall to the, the floor. And so me trying to get this freaking light back in there, uh, obviously Purex isn't around anymore. So I had to put a Pantera Marilite in. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. That thing took me like six or seven hours to do. And it wasn't because I'm having trouble pulling the line. It's because I literally just need to get in there so I could screw it in. There's never enough money you can charge to do a pool light. <laughs> I've told you before, there are two things I despise in this business. And one of those is uh, painting pools and the other one is replacing lights. Because you never know what you're going to get. You, <laughs> no, you last don't. Last year, I, I oh if, my god! If we had good builders who used conduit correctly, then we wouldn't have an issue. But when you heat bend conduit and you bend it too far, last year I had one that wouldn't pull. It was an LED light. It was um, submerged, so it was water cooled. So the conduit was flooded. The system was below grade. And the conduit, the, the the wire wouldn't pull, and so I'm at the at the light. I'm at the system. It's not pulling in either direction. So I start digging and digging. I had about six feet to dig between the system and the wall. So I knew somewhere there had to be a curve there, and it was heat bent and and <laughs> kinked. So there's no way this cord's coming out of there at all. So yeah, it was that was just a mess. And there's no money in that. So you know, how do you go back to the customer and say, "I'm sorry." It's, it went from 125 to pull a light to uh, $1,000. <laughs> yeah, they'll never understand no. that one. Oh, my gosh. We, I'll tell it later. I had one. That, it was a doozy. Um, 
so Tim, how do how do we know when a pool light is bad? Well, dead giveaway if there's water in it. Um, you know, you come across so many old pools that the the light lens either is half. You see that line there across the middle, and there you know there's water in there. So dead giveaway. That's you're gonna. There's no bulb there. You're gonna replace that whole thing. So um, LED lights are the same way. They get hazy. They get kind of a fog. Um, if even if it's not working period it might have some light might be too dim but you can tell there's a big difference between lights the 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 illumination of that light is one's dull you know and so you pull it and you get it out of the water and you see oh yeah it's haze there's water in it so let's say we have a customer and they're like yeah i want to i want to make my light work and you go and you're like okay there's water in the light can you just replace that light bulb or do you have to do the whole fixture so d- depending on the brand, um, if it's a like a PAL light, we have a lot of PAL lights down here in Texas, you can pull that out of the water. It's a nicheless light, so you're not pulling a cord. You're just pulling that out of water, and you've got a lens and four screws, and, and you replace a four-pin connector light bulb or little LED thing. So you push it back in, you seal it back up with a new gasket, and you put it back in, you're good to go. Uh, a lot of LED lights, you're going to have to replace the whole thing. Now, can I just, you know, pull the light out, cut the cord and attach the new light and call it even? Or do I have to, what what do I have to do? <laughs> Let's say cut the cord. <laughs> so I have had one and I've seen pictures on Facebook of others, but I have had one that was spliced in the water behind the niche, pulled the light. And it does have a pretty decent, substantial waterproof splice going on back there. But that's so dangerous. Why would you do that? Why? So, yeah, I have seen that before. Just depends on where you're cutting the cord. Time is money, you know? It's just easier. Oh, my gosh. Um, Okay, so I had a... you're out there replacing lights, be safe. (laughs) Be safe. And if you don't know what you're doing, contact an electrician and hopefully they'll be safe. Oh, are they smart where you are? Because when it comes to pools where I live, <laughs> electricians, I do not want them to touch a fucking thing. Sorry, blooper. It's, Don't oh, touch. Do not touch my to stuff. Find a, a, yeah, it's hard to find people you can trust, I guess. You're right. So I had a customer, they had bought the house and they're like, we would like our lights to work. And I was like, okay, yeah, it will be, uh, you know, X amount of dollars. But one of the downfalls was they had the old Sam lights. And with this old Sam lights, wasn't it like four different color light bulbs that would then make the different colors? Yeah. Super heavy, like drop right down to the bottom of the pool when you get it out of the fixture. But the problem, and they're like, well, we'll just do an LED light and we'll go through all of them over time. It's like, whatever, your choice. They had Pentair systems, so at least I could get the Pentair LED light. And those will actually sync up with the SAM light. Maybe not perfect, but overall. So me... Didn't the SAM light have mm-hmm. a color wheel yeah. built into it? Oh, built into yeah. the light? Yeah. That, yeah, my parents <laughs> had one of those. Anyway, so then... My friend Janet came to help me and we're pulling it. And she's like, I lost it. I'm like, what do you mean you lost it? I'm like, we taped it and everything, right? She's like, we lost it. We had to fish tape it. Well, come to find out whoever installed the lights, they cut either cut the cords too short or didn't get long enough ones. So what they decided to do was get the 
I don't know the technical term, so this is me being descriptive. It's like a shrink wrap wire that you put at the end to extend it. And they did it to all four lights. And I was like, yeah, I, I can't replace your light. Well, why not? Because I can't touch the rest of your lights because of the cords being lost. So I had to take pictures and everything. And people, that's not up to code with a pool light. You can't just extend the wires. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what you see people do. I'm Bird Doggy. I'm gonna take over my pool service my damn self. I got the jumper cables hooked up to my car and I'm fixing to shop the pool. Here, hold my beer. No, I don't use chlorine. I have a saltwater pool. It was clear yesterday, but I'm having a party on Saturday. Sure, I pee in my pool. Doesn't everybody? Okay, so what are some other ways that we know a pool light doesn't work? Well, it's obvious giveaway. If it doesn't work, it doesn't come on. Um, you're <laughs> you're going to be able to find out. I mean, you can trace back the, the power. I have had some transformers. If it's an LED light, I have had some transformers go bad. So you're just tracing power from uh, with a voltmeter from the, the breaker to see if the breaker is getting power from the breaker to the transformer to see if that's getting power. And then to the light, you can disconnect the light, see if it's getting, and then reconnect it, see if it might be a sinking issue. Um, but basically you're just tracing power to the light and the, then you're going to just determine whether that light's bad or not. I think another good way is if it keeps tripping the GFCI, you know, sometimes yeah. we can't tell there's water in it. And that's a great way of knowing if there's water in it. Um, okay. So next I wanted to talk about niche versus nicheless. So a uh, niche refers to pool light housing. Niche pool lights are generally larger in size and require advanced planning for placement during the rebarb installation phase. So if you're a builder, you know what I'm talking about, your servicer. If you want to know more about that, Google it. You can go like on any of the main major manufacturers' websites and they'll explain how that goes. But um, with niche lights, you usually need one or two lights. So majority of the older pools have just that, one or two lights. Um, also, when it comes to niched pool lights, there it needs to be bonded and it needs to be grounded. So if you were to oh, take the light out and you see in the back a big, huge, you know, green wire, that's it being grounded i believe right yes tim yes that's correct <laughs> <laughs> okay and um also when it comes to those niched lights if it is high voltage people please do not just put any screw to screw the light in the screw that comes with it is made to keep that bond with the light also, when you just put any random screw in, it, it messes up the threads and it makes my life a million times harder. No one's thinking of our lives. They're just installing it, right? Because they're off the job. They'll never see that yeah, again. And then we have to come and work on it. They don't know that. <laughs> what if What if they end up getting a call? Oh, hey, you built my pool. Can you come do my light? You know, but yeah, use the screw that comes with it because it's made out... I can't remember the exact word because it's 9.30 at night. But the screw that comes with it is, help, is there to help bond it so it's safe for everybody. Vibranium. Vibranium.
Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So the, I think this is a perfect moment for the light wedge. Okay. So there is, let's say the screw hole is no longer there and you need to still put that light in. There is actually a thing called a light wedge. For some people, it, it's easy to install. For me, it is not. Oh, well, not can't be good at everything. But hey, Tim, do you have a good, do you use them? Have you found them easy? I have used them before. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fairly, they're just weird. You know, they're just different, but they do function. They do keep the light in place. And it's one of those parts you want to have in your truck if you're going to be doing light repairs. We used to carry um, the conduit split plugs, the little rubber split plugs that you could go around the, the wire and then shove into the hole, kind of plug that. Because a lot of the pools I worked on up north were were very old. So the conduit you knew was was broken. If somebody called for a leak, 98% of the time you're going to say it's the light. You just show up, check the light. That's exactly where it's at because the conduit's always broken back there. <clears throat> so we... We'd always have the split plugs and make them in different sizes for different size conduits. Um, the light wedge is another part. Extra screws, light gaskets. Find out what lights are going in in your neck of the woods and be sure if there's a lot of those lights like Hayward or if there's American products or whatever light you've got on going that people are putting in. Carry those little extra parts in your truck so you can have them. Also, other things I think you should keep on your truck when it comes to Replacing lights is electrical tape, uh, pull electrical pull line. It's really cheap, but what's nice is you can tape that to the cord. And then when you pull it out, it has the rope to keep it in there, and then you can pull it right back. Sometimes you also take like O-ring lube and, you know, put it along the cord. If you're finding it hard to get through spots, it actually will help pull it even faster or easier when I do lights. That's like my go-to stuff. Hayward does make a a standard size low voltage light that has nicheless, but more often it's going to be your smaller lights. Nicheless, you don't have to have any special accommodations with rebar. Uh, You can use multiple in a pool without difference in cost to run. More light spread throughout the pool, more even light distribution will be obtained. And it does not require bonding because it's all plastic. Okay. As you guys know, by now, my knowledge is in Hayward. So if I use those examples, those are why. So for the low voltage standard lights by Hayward, they are plastic. So that's where you don't have to worry about the bonding. Uh, I've done Hayward, but we have a lot of uh, PAL lights in my area. And the inspectors are, are hilarious because they don't, they don't, I don't know what it is about inspectors and not understanding that they are plastic and they are nicheless and they do not require bonding. I, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, they're so difficult to work with, but yes. So you do run into that occasionally with inspectors. Yeah. And then if you, when it comes to like smaller lights, like the inch and a half or the half inch, you're going to be using a pipe instead of an actual niche. So the lights will go through the pipe and that's what holds them in. Um, So yeah, no bonding is required. So high voltage versus low voltage. So high voltage is going to be like your 120 volt lights. Low voltage is going to be like 12 volts. 
uh, depending on manufacturer. I've, I've seen some that were 14. Uh, old wise wisdom is that more voltage, more wattage equals more brightness. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's not true. Not necessarily true. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the old, uh, uh, I have a, a one horse pump. Oh man, we need a two horse pump on this baby. Let's uh, let's fire it up. <laughs> and they have inch and a half. Yeah, and then when you go try to, <laughs> and you're trying to sell them something, they're like, no, no, this isn't big enough. <laughs> Sir, it's, it's plenty of power, buddy. Uh, I guess it's that bigger the engine, you know, type thing. Right. That's right. Uh, actually, wattage, ref- wattage refers to energy consumption, not brightness. And even though high voltage lights are 120 volts, it's, it doesn't mean anything about the brightness. And if you think, think of like your house lights, like you don't want, you know, a 300 watt light bulb in your lamp all year long. You want the 15 watt that's like the 500 watt. I, you know, save some money. Now, even though with high voltage lights, when they're properly installed, they are safe. But when you come to the low voltage, it's much safer if something was to happen. Now, can install low voltage lighting in place of high voltage lighting. The biggest difference you're going to have is you're going to have to put a transformer at some point, if it's at the J box or over by the equipment. That way you're converting the high voltage into the low voltage safely. Now, there are some manufacturers like Hayward, they have a a transformer that fits onto the J box made and it's for intermatic junction boxes. It comes with two 70 amp transformers. So that can help in some situations. You don't necessarily have to get, you know, the big box that sits over at the equipment. So that's kind of nice to kind of clean things up. Me personally, I used to replace high voltage with high voltage. And now I refuse to. So I tell my customers, I only install low voltage lighting. And I'm doing that because of safety reasons. I would like them to have a higher chance of surviving in their pool if there was an electrical issue with their light. Too many too many scary stories about lights and people dying in their pool. And to be honest, once I mention that, they're like, okay, I'm fine with that because, you know, they have their kids or their grandkids or some of them have their dog that swims in the pool. And, you know, they want that to be as safe as possible. It's a good choice. Now there are different, like we mentioned before, there's different kinds of low voltage lights. There's your standard size lights. You have your inch and a half lights, your half inch lights, LED bulbs. And um, so there's a variety, but it's going to really depend on if you're doing like a remodel, new build or existing. So a lot of, for a lot of service people, you're going to use their standard low voltage lighting unless you're working in, you know, a newer pool. Um, Me like I mentioned before, personally, I don't like changing out bulbs with bulbs because I don't want to have to warranty it when it's leaking. I put a new gasket on and I tighten everything up, but there's still a chance that it can leak. I would rather have to warranty something because it failed and I get paid by my warranty people I work for than me warranting it for free. I love switching people out. When I used to do liner replacements, take someone off of a 120 volt light cover that, you know, if it wasn't working to begin with. And if we're doing, you know, if all the, if everything aligned and, and we're doing plumbing repair too, on a, on a liner replacement and a renovation, we're cutting some concrete. I love adding lights as a, 
uh, LED lights as an upgrade and then add a controller in there where they just had a light switch they turn on and off. Great opportunity when you're doing a pool renovation with a liner replacement or something like that that you can add some LED lights in there. And I have had actually, I did add an LED light. It was a, a an off niche. There wasn't anything that was going to fit in it. It was so shallow, just a strange light. I don't remember what the brand was, but uh, we did put a a plastic fascia over that and then installed an LED light in that. The pool was small enough, so one light was going to do the job. But we took that 120-volt light out, just covered that niche up, and drilled a hole in it, put an LED light into it, ran the cord, and it worked great. So there's different things you can do. You just never know what you're going to run up on. Now, when it comes to the low voltage lighting, like I said, you have to have a transformer. But keep in mind, you can only put so many lights on in one transformer. So let's say you have a 300-watt transformer and you're installing, you know, the UCL color logic pool lights. You can only put three on that transformer because there's 70 watts. If you were to put more, there's a chance it will not work properly. Another thing you need to know about having the transformers is if you have a pool spa combo, you're probably going to want two transformers. That way you can control them together and individually. Or let's say you have some bubblers, laminars, you know, a couple lights in the pool. You're going to probably want to put all of those on their own transformer. So all the bubblers, all the laminars, all of the lights. That way, if the customer only wants one of those areas, they can do that. Now, when it comes to determining brightness, you want to look at the lumens. So lumens are just like your home your house lights they're just going to measure the the brightness of the bulb that you're buying do you know any lumens when it comes to like uh what was the light that you say is very popular in your area the pal pal again nine thirty at night people pal lights or hayward lights i don't have actual numbers on lumens of each of those lights but yeah. okay yeah you want to look at when you're looking at lighting you want to look at not only you know what kind of controller they're using because you know, you want to make sure they're getting the most out of the light. So if they have like a, a Jandy Aqua, Aqualink RS, you want to probably put the Jandy LED lights. If you have an Omni system, you're going to want to put the, you know, Hayward lights on. But if you have something that doesn't matter, then I would recommend whatever has the brightest color. So it's like, don't think these lumens are like five or six. Like I know Hayward's lights can be up to like 2300, depending on which one you use. You want whatever will give the best ambiance in their pool. Voltage drop is a thing that can happen with low voltage lighting. What it is, is it's a product of resistance, which is affected by distance, current, and conductor gauge. So you want to make sure that you have your junction boxes where they're required. You don't want to have too long of a run. You know, if you have a 120 foot run, I would suggest getting the 150 foot cord. That way you can try and avoid that from happening. Also, there's another thing, and I'm going to say this is my pet peeve as a warranty person. If the light comes with a snubber, install it. So a snubber is a plastic film, high voltage capacitor that will suppress the voltage spikes in electrical systems. Without arc suppression, these inductive spikes, though not harmful to users, increases the likelihood that a GFCI will be more susceptible to nuisance trips. Mm -hmm. Though the breaker's initial circuit has a connection to nuisance trips, a snubber eliminates the problem at the source. 
Another reason to put them on that I've noticed that may not be a GFCI tripping is the lights will not work the way they're supposed to. The electricity just, it needs to be cleaned up by this little tiny thing. And all you're doing is connecting it to the neutral and the power main power in the transformer. So it's something that takes you like two seconds to do. If it comes in the box, put it on. Let's avoid any issues that could happen. So RGB lighting, um, RGBW LED lights, and the R is for red, the G is for green, B is for blue, W is for white. So Kelly, what's the difference between the RGB and the RGBW? So pretty much it's it's the white light in it. You can still get a white light from the RGB, but it's not going to be the purest white, which will also make it so the colors aren't as crisp. When you have the RGBW, it has that extra diode in white, which will give you better shades and saturation levels. Jandy watercolor LED lights, they're big on to talking about that in their literature. And then something when it comes to at least the Hayward lights that people, this is probably the number one question I get. What is switch versus network lighting? So switch lights are lights that are going to be controlled by like a color control, you know, maybe one of those little dials or a a light switch or even their Omni Omni Logic automation system. Network lights are going to be for the ProLogic system or any relay-based system. Pretty much you're going to use switch lights almost all the time unless you're using a ProLogic. There's no other real reason. So please make sure you get the right ones for what you're doing. My little like tidbit of how I know I get the right ones is it's going to be a blue label on the box, and those are the ones you want to get. You know, I guess my final thoughts would be if you're going to be doing lights, I don't like doing them alone. I always like having someone there to help because like I like we've talked about before, you're not going to, you just don't know what you're going to come up against. And there's a lot of issues pulling cords. I have it all the time. So be prepared, have parts on your truck that you're going to need. Those are my final thoughts. Just to make sure you have everything that you're going to come up against. And, and you're not, you're not going to be able to carry everything in your truck, but just those main things, those main lights that are in your area, make sure you have those parts and, and plugs and gaskets and things like that, that you're going to be able to use to fix those lights or whatever issues that you're going to have. And like Kelly talked about, um, electrical tape and, and the cord pullers and all that kind of stuff, anything extra can help. Obviously there's always going to be probably something we miss, but Hey, we're here for 30 minutes. So, you know, I think they probably have classes on lighting that could take hours, but I'll perhaps t- days. <laughs> Yeah, there's just there's just so many out there. And keep in mind, let's say you have a situation where, you know, like we've all experienced shortages and they really want to change their light out, but it's not going to be the same brand as their controller. You can still put other people's lights on there. They just may not sync, you know, the best, you know, like they want to have the 4th of July setting. It may not be the 4th of July setting. It may just be blue. There are manufacturers out there that have the their brand of lights but they'll work on an automation system from Hayward or Pentair. So like CMP or PAL, even PAL, PAL, you can change the dip switches to work on an Omni system. Now it's not going to have all of the yeah. colors or uh, features that it, that, but you can still control it with your Omni as if it were a Hayward light. So, so you don't can think do that. that you're going to get the 20 colors, the, what seven shows the dimmable and the what's the other one dimmable and speed control 
You're just going to get your colors. <laughs> you won't get all of that, but you'll get all the solid colors. You just won't get all the shows. Well, not everybody could be perfect. But you can still c- control it with your phone as if it were a... <laughs> Alexa, a turn my light on. Um, Did you mean cable? <laughs> <laughs> my Alexa turned on. Cable isn't responding. Please check its network connection and power supply. Oh, no. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening today. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Tuesdays with Tim and Kelly. We're so glad you're here. Please hit that plus button and subscribe to our show so you'll be notified of new episodes. Share it with everyone you know. And most of all, give us an honest five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I hope you've benefited in some way from our show. If we've helped you or in your business, or if you have a question you would like answered on our show, please let us know. You can email us at talkingpools at gmail.com. Add that subject line, Tim and Kelly, and we'll get it announced or answered on future episodes. You can find the Talking Pools podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show. Don't forget the survey. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 